Well, last week we kicked off this series, Dots, with the powerful idea that wise people, wise people understand and act like life's dots are connected. That's a huge, huge idea that if we want to make wiser decisions this year or any year or in the future of our lives, wiser decisions when it comes to relationships, business, family life, finances, whatever, it's going to start with understanding that our life's moments and our decisions are not isolated, but they are connected. That today's decisions determine tomorrow's experiences. That today's choices relationally determine the type of family and community we live in down the road. That that what you and I choose financially now, little choice by little choice, has an impact on our financial picture now and our financial future down the road. So we're talking about how to connect and how to make sure we act and live as if life's dots are connected and how to make sure we properly connect the dots of life. So today, with that in mind, naturally, I want to start by talking about an episode of Bluey. Yep. Um, do we have any Bluey fans out there? Like, if you're a fan of Bluey, would you give this a like right now? Or maybe even just in the comment section, let us know what your favorite episode of Bluey is. Our family loves the show. If, if I'm being honest, I love the show. I might even love the show more than our kids. And if I'm being completely honest, I think the reason that I love it so much is I'm pretty sure Bluey is about my family. Like, and I'm banned at raising my own Bluey and Bingo, a rambunctious pair of six and four-year-old girls. Anyway, so there's this episode in season three of Bluey. And I know this is the craziest thing you can do to start a, a sermon, but there's this crazy, there's this episode of Bluey in season three where the daughters Bluey and Bingo take issue with their dad bandit telling them what to do. And when he answers that he can tell them what to do because because he's bigger than them, they create an imaginary friend named Tina who's bigger than their dad. And as long as Tina's around, they don't have to do anything they don't want to do that their dad tells them to do. And in the process, they end up smelling bad because they won't take baths and having terrible breath because they won't brush their teeth. And the lesson at the end is that the kids need to listen to their parents because parents have their best interests in mind. And at the same time, parents need to do a better job explaining so kids don't feel powerless. It's a great episode. So two weeks ago, the final episodes of season three were released on Disney Plus, and episode 42 is called Show and Tell. And in this episode, early in the episode, the dad bandit keeps telling the kids to eat their breakfast. More specifically, he wants their girls to eat their sausage. So when Bluey accuses Bandit of always bossing them around. Now, she says, you're always saying do this and do that, to which Bandit replies, didn't we cover this already? And Bluey replies, uh, no. To which Bandit replies, yeah, we did. Remember, your invisible friend Tina beat me up and we all learned that when I tell you to do something, I'm trying to help you. And then Bluey and Bingo responded, I didn't learn that. Me neither. To which Bandit replies with something that every parent ever could feel deep down in their bones. Really? That's disappointing. And in that moment, the reason every parent felt that so deeply, because we all know the feeling of when you think your kid has learned a lesson, only to find out that they haven't learned the lesson at all. And that brings us to a set of dots that we need to connect if we're going to make wiser decisions this time than we made last time. And chances are pretty good it has a connection to something your mom or your dad or another caring adult said to you when you were growing up, when you kept making the same mistakes over and over and over and over and over again. When are you going to, and if you want to fill this blank within me, you want to say this wherever you're, when are you going to learn your lesson? Didn't you love it when your mom or your dad said that, or your grandparents said, didn't you love it when someone that was older than you told you that you needed to learn your lesson? We learn this expression when we're kids, and it's one thing when a kid is struggling to learn to count and they keep missing 14, which by the way is what my four-year-old daughter does, and it's so cute. She goes, 12, 13, 
13, 15, say, like, it's one thing. I'm like, okay, so there, there's a number in there. It's, it's 14 and you're going to, it's, it's okay. You're going to get it. You're going to get it. But at some point you're like, okay, come on, kid, you, you, you got to get this. It's one thing when she keeps you know missing the number 14 and it's a different kind of deal when a kid refuses to learn that they just can't run in the street. Right. But at the end of the day, when it's a kid who's not learning a lesson, usually the consequences aren't going to be too big or too harsh because hopefully there's a parent there to help them with their shortcomings and keep them from experiencing the worst and the most painful of the consequences of not learning their lesson. So it's one thing when it's a kid, but it's, it's a whole different thing with very real life consequences when it's not a kid, but it's a single person looking for romance and ending up with a broken heart after broken heart after broken heart after broken heart. It's a person, it's a very different thing when it's a person who keeps spending their way into huge debt only to have to claw and scratch their way out only to end up right back in huge debt three months later. It's a whole other thing when it's, the per when it's the person who sets a New Year's resolution every January to eat healthier and to lose weight, but spends every January 27th downing tons of chocolate and tons of snacks and tons of junk food because it just didn't work, right? It's a whole other thing when it's the person who struggles with an addiction and they break free for six weeks only to end up back in the same place dealing with the very same thing. See, here's the truth that is really behind this this message. If, if we don't learn to connect the dots, here's the very real truth that some of you have lived, and I know I've lived at seasons of my life, that there's no worse regret than returning to the same thing that we already regret. There is, there is no worse regret than returning to the same thing that we already regret. Like it's one thing to experience a painful conclusion because of a choice that we made the first time and we didn't know where it was gonna go and we didn't know how it was gonna go. We didn't know how the relationship was gonna go and we ended up in a place where we got hurt because of the choice that we made. But you and I know there's no worse feeling than the regret that comes with doing the same thing that caused us pain and regret last time and maybe the time before that. And because we didn't learn the lesson back then and we didn't learn the lesson back then, we're experiencing very real pain right now and regret right now and difficulty right now because of a lesson that we could have and should have learned already. And so in this series, as we talk about making wiser decisions and wiser choices and living as if life's dots really are connected so that we can avoid regret, one of the things is that we need to address is our tendency to end up making the same choices, leading to the same places, and causing us to live with the same regrets over and over and over again, because I don't want you to live with the same regrets today that you have already should have already dealt with yesterday. Now, interestingly enough, this is not a new phenomenon or something only present in our world today. This is not unique to 2024. This was also true in 1000 BC, which is why Solomon described it this way near the end of the book of Proverbs. In this, this famous verse, and I, I, I'm not sure if it's famous. I remember hearing it a lot growing up. Uh, and I don't even know that I, growing up, I don't know that I heard it, knew it. it was from the Bible. I just knew it as a thing people said. But in Proverbs chapter 26, verse 11, Solomon wrote this. He said, as a dog returns to its vomit, what a yummy statement, isn't that? As a dog returns to its vomit, so a fool repeats his foolishness. Or other translations say, as a dog returns to its vomit, so a fool returns to his foolishness. Let me tell you what I, what I love about Proverbs sometimes. There's no need for in-depth Bible study or ancient language translation. Dog means dog. And vomit means vomit. I don't want to be too graphic here, but how many of you have ever seen a dog eat its vomit? I think I think most of us have seen that at some point along the way of our lives. And you're like, thank you so much for bringing it. Like, now I want to vomit. I'm, I'm, I'm so glad you're bringing up vomit. And I'm glad, I'm glad you keep saying vomit because now I kind of want to vomit. Anyway, it's disgusting. And here's what you think when you see a dog eating 
what it just vomited out of its mouth. Hey, hey, hey don't, don't do that. Like, like, oh, don't, don't do that. Like, oh, don't, any, anything but that, please don't do that. And the other things that you think, if you're like me, you, you, you actually like kind of analyze it. You go, you have so many other things you could eat. Like you, you like you, like you could, you could come and like knock on it. Like we would bring you extra food. We would bring you a dog, like anything else. We would do anything else to help you not eat that. Or if you get really analytical, don't you know that came out of you because your body has already rejected it once? Like that's out of you, but it was in you. Your body rejected it, threw it out, and you're going back to get some like, to, like why? Why would you do that? But that is how Solomon describes a fool returning to the same foolishness, the same folly, the same decision that was a bad decision last time, the same, the same thing that caused major regret last time. And Solomon says, the way that you think when you see a dog eating its own vomit, that's what it looks like to outsiders when we see a person return to the same old ways and the same old patterns and the same old choices that brought the same old regrets the last time and the time before that, that they did it. And if we're to really get Solomon's message clearly, this is the way we should look at ourselves when we return to the same old ways, the same old patterns, and the same old choices that caused the same old regrets the last time we were involved in the same old patterns. Because here's what Solomon is really saying. Like if Solomon was to get with, if you were to be able to have an opportunity to sit down with Solomon over coffee, if you were to go to mom's coffee or you go to Starbucks or you were to go to any of your favorite coffee places and you were going to sit down and have one of those like nice conversations with Solomon and you were going to try to convince him that this thing that was a bad idea the last time, this thing that didn't work the last time, this thing that caused major regret and major heartache the last time, if you were to try to convince him that this thing that didn't work then is going to work now, Solomon would put his cup down on the table in front of you. And with what I would imagine would be his piercing eyes, he would say, hey, here's what I want you to know. Right now, you are acting like a dog who's returning to its vomit. And Solomon's real message would be, don't be like a dog returning to its vomit. Don't, don't, don't act like, he wants to say like, like, don't, don't be the fool returning its foolishness who looks like a dog that's like, it's already been gone. It's already, your body's already rejected it once. You already have regret from it the first time. Learn the lesson. So you like, like, come on, learn the lesson. Don't do that again. The lesson that you should have learned is this doesn't work. Don't do it again. Don't go to that same well again because it's like a dog returning to its vomit. Now, what's interesting about the scripture is a thousand years after Solomon lived, Jesus showed up on the scene. He lived, he taught, he performed miracles. He actually walked on water and then he died on the cross, rose from the grave and ascended to heaven. He was the son of God come to earth to save the world through his death on the cross, through his resurrection, inviting us into new life with his heavenly father. Now, during his time on earth, he had 12 followers called the disciples or the apostles, depending on where, what, what, how you want to call them. And one of his followers, maybe his most famous follower, was a man named Peter. His name was Simon. Jesus changed his name to Simon Peter. And then eventually he changed, he, he dropped the Simon and just became Peter. Um, but as he was one of the leaders of the early church, he eventually wrote letters to the early churches, helping them understand what it looked like to follow Jesus and to be the church. And one of the things that he wrote, it actually echoed Solomon's words from Proverbs and expanded and expounded on the idea in his second letter to the churches. It's conveniently called Second Peter. Here's what he wrote in Second Peter chapter 2, starting in verse 20 and 22. He said this, And when people escape from the wickedness of the world by knowing our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, 
and then get tangled up and enslaved by sin again, they're worse off than before. They prove the truth of this proverb. A dog returns to its vomit. Right? Again, th- thank you so much, New Testament, for repeating that, that wonderful phrase. And he says, and another says, a washed pig returns to the mud. Now, obviously, Peter uses the dog returning to its vomit line, and then he adds to it that a washed pig returns to the mud, which is a fun word picture. Because the interesting thing with that line is that the inference is if you cared to wash a pig, your next move would never be to return it to the mud. But a pig will find a way to get back to the mud. Because a pig's nature is to return to the dirt and to the return to the mug. And here's what Peter would, be, would say to some of you. Some of you, like I know is true at some times in my life, you know all too well that re- the reality that at times it feels like you keep finding your way back to the mud. You've been cleaned up by Jesus. You've been cleaned up in, uh, from, from the addiction. You've been cleaned up from this, from this way of living. You've been cleaned from that temptation. You haven't fallen to that temptation. But it keeps coming back. That same thing that you should be free from, you tend to have a, a way where you find your way back to that old mud. So there's that reality that, that, that Peter addresses, but perhaps more interesting is Peter's language that people who know Jesus, I think he, he explains at the beginning, he actually explains why it happens, but he says people who know Jesus and then return and get tangled again and enslaved by sin again, he says they're worse off than before. Which, like, it sounds judgmental until you realize that decades of research into the human brain and specifically the brain's wiring has essentially confirmed what Peter wrote. See, see, the the human brain, when making repeated decisions, it creates this amazing phenomena called neural pathways. Wherever you are right now, on the count of three, could we say neural pathways together? Ready? One, two, three neural pathways, exactly the type of thing that you're, you're, you're anticipating talking about in church, right? See, neural pathways are best understood by a visual picture from my dogs. Um, see, my dogs run in our backyard over and over and over again in the exact same lines. It's weird, but I know a lot of dogs do that. Maybe your dogs do that, that they have their specific line that they travel through your yard or through their backyard or through your you know, field or whatever it is that you've got. Anyway, Because they travel the same route across our backyard every time they go, they've created these pathways where grass no longer grows no matter the time of year because they are always walking on this specific path, no matter what grass is growing around them. And it makes it easier and easier and easier over time to continue to choose this path. Now, what my dogs do in our backyard, our choices do in our brain. See, the more we choose something, the more we repeat the same decision, the easier it becomes to travel that same path. So when Paul says they're worse off than before, he's echoing Solomon. He's saying what science has discovered. The more we repeat regrettable decisions, the more likely we are to repeat the same regrettable decision again next time, because every time we repeat a regret, every time we repeat a regrettable decision, it makes it easier for us to choose the same thing the next time because a neural pathway from point A to point B to point C to point regret has been formed in our minds. And this is why it's important for us to learn the lesson early and to learn the the lesson from our failure, to learn the lesson from our regret, to learn the lesson from what went wrong the last time, to make sure that we don't repeat it next time. Because it gets easier and easier and easier over time. The more we repeat the same bad choice, the more we don't learn our lesson from last time and we don't learn our lesson from this time, the more likely we are to repeat it the next time. And that leads us to today's bottom line as we talk about connecting the dots is that we need to actually connect the dots from our failure before so that we don't 
live in those same dots and experience those same painful dots in the future. The way I wanted to say it for, for, for today's message is simply this, that if you don't learn the lesson from last time, you will relive the regret next time. If you don't learn the lesson from last time, you will relive the regret next time. If you don't learn the lesson, like if you don't pay attention and learn from failure and learn from failed relationships and learn from failed financial investments and learn from failure in, in school, unfortunately, the reality is, the truth is, and what you already know this, uh, this isn't judgmental. This isn't like, oh my gosh, this isn't doom and gloom. This is just the reality. If you don't learn the lesson from the failure of last time, you will unfortunately be forced because this is the way life goes. You will be forced to relive the reality of that and relive the failure and relive the regret again this time or next time. Or if you want to put a more positive spin on it, if you learn the lesson from last time, from the difficulty of last time, if you learn what, like why you made that choice and what happened when you made that choice and the pattern that led to that choice, if you learn the lesson from last time, you won't have to relive regret next time. If you become a person like I want to become a person, like, I, like, I've, like I'm working to become a person who actually learns the lessons when I fail and when something goes wrong and when I have regret, I diagnose it, I work to get to the bottom of it so that I don't repeat the same thing next time. If you learn the lesson from last time, you won't have to relive regret next time. And so today as we close, I want to talk about what we need to do if we're going to actually learn the lesson from last time or learn the lesson from this time or learn the lesson from our failure today so that we don't repeat it in the future. I want to talk about how we learn the lesson and how we learn the lesson from when things have gone wrong and learn the lesson from the moments that we've regretted so that we don't live with any more regret in the future. So we connect the dots from what happened then to make sure that it doesn't to the best of our ability, that it doesn't happen again. And the first thing that we need to get really good at if we're gonna actually learn the lesson from the last time is we need to do something that we're very uncomfortable doing. We need to confront the past. We need to confront the past. See, we don't do this because there's pain in the past and there's shame in the past. There's pain in the past and there's shame in the past. See, what you know is there's pain there because the memory of what happened, it hurts. There's heartbreak in the past. There's regret in the past. There's a bad decision in the past. There's, there's financial failure in the past. Like there's a whole bunch of stuff in the past that it hurts. And so we don't want to think about the past. We don't go, we don't con confront the past because the past hurts because of what happened. But if we're honest with ourselves, most of the time, the reason we don't like, we can confront pain. Most of us, we can confront pain. Most of us, we don't want to confront shame. And see, the shame exists because the pain that happened, it was avoidable because you kind of saw it coming. You knew there was a better decision than, than the decision you made. You knew that you had no business being in that relationship that you got in. You know you had no business being in that deal. You knew you're unqualified for that job. And you pushed and you pushed and you pushed and you pushed yourself into the pain. And so there's pain and there's shame. And because of the pain and the shame, we don't want to confront the past. But if we want to move forward, if we want to grow and heal and avoid the same regret next time, we have to be willing to look at last time, to look at the past, to confront it, to see it for what it was, to learn from our failure, to face our guilt, to face our shame and stop hiding. And the reason we need to stop hiding, again, you're like, I'm not hiding. I just don't want to think about it. That's what hiding is. You're avoiding it. You're, you're, you're like, you've pushed that pain into a corner. You've swept it under the rug so you don't have to deal with it. You're like, you're, you've hidden it. 
You're hiding it from you. And here's what I love. Mike, Mike Todd, he's a pastor of a, a great church called Transformation Church in Tulsa, Oklahoma. He, he said this, that God won't heal what you choose to hide. Notice it doesn't say God can't, like God could, but if you keep it hidden, God won't bring healing to that area of your life. And so as long as you're hiding it from your view, as long as you're hiding it so that you don't have to face it, as long as you're hiding from it, you won't heal from it. The only way to actually heal from it is to stop hiding from it and to bring it out into the open and to face it. I also love what John Mark Comer in his new book, Practicing the Way, he wrote this. Not everything that is faced can be changed. That's a great thing to acknowledge. But nothing can be changed until it is faced. Not everything that is faced can be changed, but nothing can be changed until it is faced. So if we actually want to change and transform and move forward and make different decisions and better decisions next time than the ones we made this time, last time, the only way we can hope to do it is to begin by confronting the past and facing the past and bringing it back to our attention so that we can learn whatever needs to be learned from it. The second thing that we've got to do is we got to confront the past and then we got to recognize the pattern. We got to recognize the pattern. See, your decisions that you regret, chances are there's a pattern behind them. And it's not A ending up at B. Like most of us want to think like, oh, I didn't want to do this. And then, oh man, I ended up doing this. And there's nothing in between there that caused me to jump. From, like, like I just jumped from A all the way to this painful place of B. No, it goes A to B to C to D to E to F to G to H. Okay? So where the reason you ended up at H is because you chose B and you chose C and you chose D and you chose E and then it was a pretty short jump from E to G and then H was pretty well unavoidable. Do you know what I'm talking about? Like, like that's how we end up at the place of H where we don't want to be. We don't jump from A to H. We go A to B to C. To, like, does, does that make sense? Let me give you an example from my life where we have to recognize the pattern. Um, toward the end of my time in college, I was, I was 22 years old. There was a girl I had been dating for about six months and, and she broke up with me. Um, now, before we officially dated for six months, there had been two other times where we had sort of kind of dated, but she had called it off both times. Um, but at the end of the other times where she had called it off, she had always said she wanted to be friends. Now, wanting to be a good guy and wanting to stay in the picture, if I'm being honest, I always said yes, because I knew if, if we stayed friends, there was a pretty good chance that eventually we would end up together, right? And so after she broke off our relationship, um, we were, you know, I was living downtown Minneapolis. She had come to my apartment to break up with me. It was really a fun experience. Anyway, um, I walked her to her car, uh, where she, uh, as she was getting in her car, she went for a hug and said, but we'll always be friends, right? And, and that's where I, I actually, I actually put my hands up to stop her hug. And, and I said, no, we're not doing that anymore because anytime we're friends, we end up right back here with my broken heart. So for right now, friends is off the table. Uh, us being friends is off the table. Now, I know that that sounds harsh and I know she thought it was harsh because she told me so. But in that pattern, let's stay friends with point B that always moved towards point H of heartbreak. Does that make sense? And I had come to recognize the pattern that because we stay friends, there's always the possi there's always the possibility that we end up back together, but this isn't a relationship that's going to make it. And it always ends up with one of us getting our heart broken. And that's not a place either of us want to end up again. And so for the good of both of us, I'm going to recognize the pattern and I'm going to stop it before we even get to point B. It, it, it sounds harsh. This is actually healthy. 
We need to recognize the patterns. And for some of you, when it comes to the things that you have regrets about doing over and over and over, you need to recognize that you don't go from A to H in one step. But when you choose B, you get on the path that leads to H. See what AA, and I love AA and the, the road to recovery, their, their fourth step of the 12 steps, it calls for this when it challenges people to perform a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. See, see that, that, that the idea that I actually have to look at my patterns, I have to look at my behaviors, I have to look at not just the heartbreak that I feel, not just the pain that I feel, not just the regret that I feel, and what I wished would happen, and how did I get from, like, if, I actually have to look at how I got from here to there. I actually have to examine point B and point C and point D and, and every point that led from here to there. I actually have to do a fearless searching inventory of myself. If I, I have to actually recognize and realize and acknowledge and do something different about the pattern that leads me from, from where I, from how I want things to go to the heartbreak at, at, at the end. So let me give you some challenging questions to help you connect some dots that may exist in your life that you may not be aware of. Because you're like, I, I know what I, what I want to happen and then I know what happens and it's nothing like what I want to happen. What's the ha pattern behind your binges of online shopping? Like, like what's the commonality? Every time you get in the Amazon app and you just start spending money and spending money and spending money and buying shirts and buying pants and buying shoes and buying purses or, or, or buying electronics or whatever it is that like, what is it? What is the, the felt need that you're trying to scratch by spending money that you have no business spending? Let me give you another one. What's the pattern behind the times you drank way too much? Like, like, was there, was there a person that was around? Like, you're like, I don't even drink, but when I get around this person, I drink like a fish. It, like, I'm just like... There's a pattern there that you're like, how do I go from being a person where I don't drink to I'm drunk? It's point B, this person entering the equation. What's the pattern between going behind going overboard and losing it on your kids? Like, is, is, there, is there something else that go, that's going on in your life and in your heart or in your mind that like when, when what your kids do is a four, but your response is a nine? I mean, that five points of difference it comes from something else that's going on in you, in your world that you're bringing home with you. And, 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 and rather than thinking you need to get new kids, chances are what you need is a new pattern. What's the pattern be between the times where you're viewing pornography? Like, like is there a pattern where, where when you're viewing pornography, it's because you're tired or you're mentally or emotionally exhausted or you got in a fight with someone that you cared about and you like, is there, is there a pattern? And I'm telling you, if you'll acknowledge, if you'll discover and recognize the pattern, there, like what you find is you may, in recognizing the pattern, you may realize the thing that will set you free because you're thinking, I just need to deal with all with this thing at the very end where what you actually need to do is you need to deal with the thing at the front end before it becomes a massive ordeal. And I'm just telling you, whatever the behavior is, chances are pretty good. You don't go from A to H, but you actually go from A to B to C, and then it becomes really easy to go to H. And if you'll actually address B and C first, address the feeling that you have at point A that leads you to point B, I'm just telling you, this may be part of your road to discovering and finding and living 
in freedom and living without the regret of going back to the same well that you keep going to over and over and over again without ever meaning to end up there. And then the third thing that I want to encourage you and challenge you to do, and this may be the hardest of all, but this may be the most freeing of all, is, is, I, is I don't want you to just confront the past and I don't want you to just recognize the pattern. I actually want you to begin to lay down new track. See, what the old track looks like is every time I get to go to B, I end up at H. And I end up living in this loop and this loop, and I can't figure out why, but that's the track that I currently find myself on. See, here's the thing. If every time I go to B, I end up at H, and I don't want to end up at H anymore, stop going to B. Stop going to B. Choose a different path. Choose a new and a different direction. Choose to establish a new pattern. Since, since direction determines destination, if that destination is a place that I don't want to end up at anymore, I need to choose a new direction. I need to choose a new direction. I need to lay down some new tracks. See, with what we talked about as far as neural pathways earlier, um, it's, it's actually pretty easy to go like, wait, wait, wait. It almost sounds like you're saying it's inevitable that once we start making these bad decisions, we're going to keep making these bad decisions. What's amazing is the same people who were studying the brain and found out about neural pathways, they also discovered something called neuroplasticity. And while neuropathways is every time I make it the same decision, it becomes easier to make that same decision next time. Neuroplasticity means that no matter how long you've lived forming one pattern and pathway, the patterns of our thinking, the ease with which we arrive at a familiar choices, they can change. The brain actually is plastic. It's moldable. It's shapeable. And because the brain is shapeable, it makes this really familiar verse from Romans chapter 12 pop, like, pop to life. See, Romans chapter 12, verse 2 says this. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, or I would challenge you, don't copy and keep repeating the beha behavior and customs of you, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. So then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. See, what's amazing about this is that every time you conscious, like you've got, a, you've, got a, you've got a pathway that you've built, you've got a track that you've built. And every time that you consciously choose a new and a different path instead of the same old destructive path, God is changing the way you think, forming a new neural pathway a healthy neural pathway, no longer going down and digging in the same old neural pathway, but beginning a new neural pathway through the power that God put in our brain for neuroplasticity. God's changing the way you think. This is what I call God changing us from the outside in because the inside wants to do all the same old things. But when I actively and consciously and do the hard work to make a new and better decision than my same old way, when I've learned the lesson so that I don't have to live with that same regret and I make a different decision, outwardly, God changes the way I think inwardly. This is God changing us from the outside in. And as God changes the way you think, it becomes more and more natural for us to make the wise decision the next time. This is God changing us from the inside out. 
This is how God changes us. We, we confront the past. We recognize the pattern. As, and as we've confronted the past and recognized the pattern, we're able to say, you know what? Every time I go to B, I end up at point H. I'm going to choose before I get to B, I'm going to choose a new path. And I'm going to make a, a new decision. I'm going to make a, choose a new direction. And as we do that, God changes us from the, ins, from the outside in and from the inside out by changing the way we think and the way we choose and the way we make the way we choose new directions and the way we choose new paths inside us and outside of us. See, here's the thing, church. If you want this time to be different than the last time, you've got to learn the lesson from the last time. You've got to work to become a person like I have to work to be a person who learns the lesson from last time so that I don't repeat it this time and so that I don't repeat it next time. So that the regret I have over what happened last time, maybe the regret that you have over what happened last time, isn't the same regret that we choose to live with this time. See, if we'll do this, if we'll do that hard work of, of confronting the past and, and recognizing the patterns and recognize the unhealthy, destructive patterns that we so often have and do the hard work of actually choosing to create some new paths and lay down some new tracks, we will become people, you'll become a person who learns the lesson from last time so that we do not have to live with that same regret and difficulty and pain and hurt and heartache and financial difficulty again next time. And that, my friends, is someone and something worth becoming. So let's do the difficult work. Let's confront the past. No matter how painful, no matter how shameful the, the past may be, let's confront the past. Let's face it. Let's get it out in the open. Let's stop hiding from it. Let's actually heal from it as we allow God to bring it to our attention so that we can learn what we need to learn from it. Let's, let's recognize the patterns from the past and maybe the patterns from today so that we don't carry those same broken patterns and destructive patterns into tomorrow. Let's recognize the patterns so we can learn to lay down some new tracks. And, and as we lay down new track, let's lay down new track that invites God to be at the center of everything that we do as we live to honor him with every choice that we make and allow him to heal us and make us new in everything that we do and in everything that we choose. Let's learn the lesson. Let's be people who didn't have to be told to learn their lesson as a kid, but forgot how to do it as adults. Let's learn to learn the lesson as adults, as men and women of God. Let's learn the lesson from the past so that we don't have to live with regret in the future. Let's do that. And if we do that, we'll learn how to connect the dots between the past and today and the tomorrow that we want. And we'll not carry the dots of regret one moment more, but we'll learn from them so that we can honor and honor God and we can live lives that honor him today and be regret-free and live in freedom tomorrow. Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, Thank you so much for who you are. Thank you for your love and your grace and your mercy. And God, today, thank you for your wisdom. Thank you that we can, that we have your word to guide us and direct us and God challenge us. God, that where, where, where we may be people who have lived in a way that has caused us to live with regret that was so avoidable and we could have avoided it by learning the lesson from the past. God, I pray that we would not be those people one moment more, but we would be people, we would be men and women who learn the lesson from yesterday. Who, who, who confront the past, who recognize the patterns that lead us to the places that we don't want to end up. And God, who, that we would do the hard, difficult work of laying down new track that leads us to the places and the things that you have for us and the healing that you have for us and the hope that you have for us and the freedom that you have for us and the life that ultimately you have for us. So God, help us to have wisdom. 
as we do that. Help us, help us have courage to confront the past. Help us to have wisdom to recognize the pattern. And then God, help us to have the backbone to keep laying new track as long as you call us to lay new track so that we don't ever live with the same regret that, we've, that, we, that we lived and experienced yesterday. Help us to learn from it so that tomorrow looks different than yesterday. So that today looks different than yesterday. And we don't carry the same regret one moment longer than we need to. God, help us to do this. Help us to follow you in this. Would you open our hearts? Would you open our eyes to see what you would have us to do and give us the courage to follow it and make it a reality in our lives as we connect the dots. We love you, Jesus. We pray this all in your name. Amen.